Warning, the following podcast contains naughty words and opinions. While neither of these has been shown to be hazardous, you should be aware that exposure to both has been known to cause chafing. Apply only to available ear-shaped head holes. Cease insertion if resistance is met. Welcome to Side Swap, the podcast we do whatever the fuck we want, however the fuck we want. Chris, welcome back to your own apartment. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to be here. Uh, what are we What are we doing today? Today we're going to cry, John. What? Why would Why would we cry? We are going to cry because we know what IMDb is and we know what the future holds. I, I hate to even say this because it, it brings my heart down so far. This is our last episode with Donna Spear. Donna Hamilton is not forever. I am as shocked as you are, and apparently not. No. But there are very few characters in all of cinema that are as iconic as Donna Hamilton. Right? I don't know how this continues. This is like losing Sean Connery in uh, the James Bond universe. <sighs> Sean Connery. He was The thing about Sean Connery is that he was irreplaceable. They never recovered. No, never. And I have a feeling that this uh, Hawaii-verse is going to follow the same trajectory. <sighs> You know, before we watch this thing, let's have a couple of opinions. Just from IMDb, we believe that this is going to be the end of the Kane saga. Yeah, okay. So the Kane saga, just to remember, is actually the saga of a necklace named Kane that is on a pendant and has a microphone on it. Yes, the person who's wearing the necklace is immaterial. Just like Venom, uh, you know, it it can change people, but it's still kind of Venom. (laughs) (laughs) We know this is the last movie with Donna, so not having read any spoilers, I I want to ask you right now, is Donna going to go out on a happy note, or are we going to be bowling? Well, it's the third one in a trilogy, and a long-beloved character is going to go out. So this is basically like The Last Jedi, except we we would have to assume The Last Jedi was the the end of a trilogy. Just ignore that. My brow is incredibly furrowed. It's going to have to be with a blaze of glory, because there's no way that you can let Donna go without her slim pickings riding the bomb down kind of moment, you know? I believe this is our last uh, movie with Nicole as well. Well, Nicole's less impactful because she's only had, like, what, three? Yeah, three or four. And also, it's just drastically confusing for me to have a partner that's not also in witness protection. I just don't, I just don't, <laughs> how does that even work? You can't do undercover if you're not under witness protection. Right. Uh, what I'm going to go with is she's going to develop a biologically-based PVC bazooka filled with cancer snakes, and there's going to be a misfire that takes her and Kane out in a blaze of glory. That is gorgeous. I will not settle for anything but a happy ending. That sounded way worse than when I said it in my head. Let's try that one again. I I think it would have sounded better if you'd said it about any movie series other than this one. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Land Before Time has come up before, and that has very different (laughs) connotations. It does. I have to believe that Donna will be okay. And if she isn't, then the the second half of this podcast might just be me crying. All right. So by okay, do we mean she goes to live on a on the DEA topless farm in the world? Like, <laughs> or does does that mean like she falls madly in love with the love of her life, probably named Abilene, maybe not. Uh, and they go and start like an artisanal soap company that they – sell to the small roadside stand uh, on Route 66 to, you know, Hollywood. I have it. I know exactly what's going to happen. 
Donna and ex Abilene are going to emigrate to Savage Beach to open up a regional branch of Edie's. And that is why everybody, the last movie in the series, we have to return to Savage Beach because at the end, it's just going to be that last hour and a half, two hour movie is just going to be one giant celebration. And it's going to be the grand opening of Edie's dash Savage Beach. Are, are you telling me that Return to Savage Beach, your prediction is that the Return to Savage Beach is a 90-minute hot tub scene? Yes, yes. Well, we have zero other reason to go back to Savage Beach, so that's the only thing that I can conclude. Close the 12 movie series with the most epic hot tub scene ever. <laughs> <laughs> and it really is binary. It's either story or sleaze. I'm sorry, James Cameron. Just stop. All right, Chris. So we've just watched Fit to Kill. Would you mind running me through the events of this film? Certainly. The runtime of this movie is about an hour and 50 minutes, and it's disappointment. It is disappointment, or it is a disappointing film? It is disappointment incarnate. Okay. Why is that? Um, well, we'll go through the little synopsis thing here. A multitude of topless DEA agents are attempting to intercept Kane, who we have had dealings with over the past two movies. Kane, who we have dealt with over the last two movies, but his scramble suit appears to have settled into a single appearance. Yes, we are definitely British, except now we're German. Right. Okay. Yes. And then there are some some maybe communist Chinese people that are after Kane as well, because they it was their nuclear trigger in the last movie. Yeah. So the nuclear trigger was stolen from Kane, and that made the communist Chinese unhappy. Yes, because it was their nuclear trigger that was supposed to be sold to other people. To repay the communist Chinese people, Kane goes after a diamond, and then he gets the fake diamond, and then the communist Chinese are going to exchange Kane for the real diamond, and then everybody dies except for the topless DEA agents. And for some reason, the communist Chinese summoned Russians to be gifted the diamond that was fake. Yeah, the Russians played zero part in the movie aside from the fact that they were there. They were exposed to some breasts while in Hawaii. Yes, I I think that's a Hawaiian custom, though, so I don't know if that's... Well, somebody asked them how they were doing as they backed towards a plane, so. The only response to that is, well, not great. Hey, look, boobs, I'm better. Exactly. Plot-wise, it's just another sort of like run around a, a large cast of characters that results in nothing in particular sort of happening except that we learn Kane is actually the son of a German who stole the diamond and he wanted to get revenge for his German father's Chinese partners murdering him for the diamond, and that makes Kane somehow no longer a bad guy, but somebody that Donna can fuck. I sort of just fell asleep there. Sorry. That's okay. That's okay. There were boobs. Yeah, that was essentially the plot. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is the second highest boob per screen time amount in the Hawaii verse after Malibu Express. I think that's indisputably true. This was, I think it was 20 minutes into the movie, I said to you, I think that. What we had said about the other movie where the plot was like too much plot and not enough sleaze, the opposite was happening with this. There were so many boobs that like I kind of just started playing with the cat, uh, Fitz, actual cat. Shout out. There was literally boob scenes transitioning into boob scenes for a solid 20 minutes and it just felt like we were watching like a swimsuit competition video. Like <laughs> it was just sort of boring. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was not plot heavy at all it did pick up at the end well i mean the last 24 minutes yeah except that was all just good guys kill bad guys there wasn't a whole lot of movement towards it one good guy got shot in the shoulder presumably he's fine (laughs) i didn't even see him in the hot tub scene 
that we have to have at the end of every movie. Right. But I wasn't looking for him. The hot tub was pretty full of people. He was probably like behind the drinks cart. Yeah, or back on the shooting range right behind the hot tub. Right. Which, speaking of shooting range, there was a uh, a joke that they built to for three or four whole movies that basically, I don't know, was kind of the high point of this film, <laughs> <laughs> which was that, you know, the, the, the typical Abilene can't fire uh, joke. The girl he's with shoots the cans. She does a great job. He takes the gun and is like, let me show you how to do it. And he shoots basically the radio broadcast tower, which which then just falls over. <laughs> it took them like the first three movies to establish that the Abilene's can't shoot. And then it took another couple movies to transition Edie's from a fine dining restaurant in, into a radio station. Okay, sexy. <laughs> and then to transition the radio station into a hot tub and, and then to have a broadcast tower next to a hot tub next to a shooting range in which Abilene's cannot shoot. Judging by the apparel that the radio employees use, I chose the wrong line of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot to tell you this, but when I was at the radio station, everybody was beautiful because you need to be beautiful to be on radio. Absolutely. Otherwise, you're not going to get any viewers. And also, what's the point of not having cameras if you have to wear pants? <laughs> all right. Well, now that we've covered the plot. Yeah, I would say we did. So yeah. is this just the most disappointing of all the movies? Like, uh, not the worst, just the most disappointing. Like, at, at base level, this was a barely functional film. There is no way that this is worse than Malibu Express. Oh, fuck no. No. But, like we alluded to in the intro, we lose Donna. We lose Nicole. All that I really want out of that is some sort of going out in a blaze of glory, not like a hot tub party scene at the end. The only reason we know that we're losing Donna and Nicole is IMDb. Right. The movie ends just like all the other films with a happy hot tub scene. And there's there's no closure. There's no warning that he, that they're not coming back. You understand that Kane isn't returning, and that's only because Donna says, there'd be no point in that guy coming back. <laughs> I bet he's going to be a normal businessman now. He's going to enter society and become a vice principal. <laughs> you know, you don't want to overshoot with principal, you know. Yeah, yeah. those ex-Nazis really find a great place in 1990s society. If Virginia politics is any indication, <laughs> uh, they they do quite well. <laughs> no, um, there was a lot of potential there to do things that would have actually been fantastic storytelling for the 90s. Like, mm-hmm. I think this was 1993. Yeah. And... One of the very first shots was Julie Strain was exercising on a rooftop in Vegas. Mm-hmm. But the way that it was shot is the camera is pointed out towards the desert and she kind of does a sit up in the camera. Mm-hmm. It was very artfully done. Like it was a beautiful shot and it felt like it was the 1993 version of Game of Thrones almost. You definitely had the gorgeous desert setting, but then also the shot itself was just well conceived, you know, and... For Andy Sedaris, that's all it takes to become Game of Thrones. Yeah, and... Well, I also, mean, scantily clad woman. Obviously. Yeah. But there were other things, too. There was a lot of impressionism. So you would start with one scene, and then somebody would daydream, and all of a sudden, that person and another person are having imaginary sex on a cloud or some shit. Well, it, you know, it was like a James Bond title sequence into a cloud sex, like, dream... And, and I think impressionism is the right way to say it, but it's like a surreal, almost like 1980s, like new wave mixed with LSD trip, like 1970s cinema. But unlike most of those movies, there didn't seem to be much of a point. It was just like, if we insert a daydream from Kane's perspective while he's handcuffed on a boat next to Donna, if he just dreams that they're fucking, that'll add to our tit count and we can like just kill four minutes, you know? Right. I I don't think Chris is implying that this was as successful as like surrealist cinema. <laughs> no, absolutely it wasn't. It did have that arty sort of feel to it, 
but it was still done in the most generic 90s sort of plot. And if you take the plot and add that sort of artistic flavor to it, I think you have the recipe for what could have been an incredibly interesting movie. You could have done away with some a lot of the main characters in a very interesting way, brought in characters who have been kind of tertiary to the plot and make them the main characters moving forward. But we didn't touch that at all. We just kind of, everybody's happy. Okay, next movie. There's actually a movie that I think I'm going to recommend uh, to you specifically, Chris, but to anybody who actually likes the sound of what you just described. And that's the 1967 Saijin Suzuki movie, Branded to Kill. It's a surrealist Yakuza movie, um, but it, but it's sort of what you're describing. It, it's taking a standard sort of like revenge plot and adding a surrealist twist in a way that is surprising and delightful. So you're saying if we replace the, the word fit with any other word, this movie becomes better? Well, yeah, yeah. And on that topic, if you replace the entire plot of this movie with the horror film about people being murdered in an aerobic studio, if if you just make that movie Fit to Kill, also a better movie. <laughs> Although that movie was not titled Fit to Kill, it was titled Aerobicide. <laughs> that would also be a better use of the title. That would be fair. On that topic, can you explain the title? Because they do sort of explain it with Julie Strain's intro. Oh, I did not pick up that it had any meaning whatsoever. I thought it was like a do or die situation. Oh, I mean, she was doing calisthenics and then loading a gun. So she was fit I mean, to kill. That has been a common theme of... <laughs> Everybody has done calisthenics and then she wasn't even topless though. I don't know how that was supposed to be a memorable scene in this movie. Well, I mean, it was memorable because the photography was actually like, like it was, it was actually really well done, but it was actually one of the more like sexually interesting scenes too, just because it wasn't just, Oh, here's boobs. There was like interesting lighting and sort of choreography to the scene. You know, it was, it was very intentional as compared to everything else where it was just top goes down, top goes up, top goes down, top goes up. Can't explain that. Exactly. Never miscommunication. <laughs> I, I agree. And I think that's kind of what leaves me wanting the most is that there were a couple of moments of self-awareness that were funny too. Like mm -hmm. um, the two idiot assassins, Wiley and Coyote mm -hmm. from Hard Hunted. And they're back as evil and Knievel. Mm -hmm. And the self-awareness in the writing where they are reintroduced was hilarious. And then those characters just go on to ruin every other scene that they're in. Just like last time, they immediately devolve into Spike and Iggy from Super Mario Brothers. Like, it, they're just the worst hench people. Yeah. And that's a, that's kind of a microcosm of the entire movie. Yeah. The one question I had for you was you were... Okay. <laughs> For the audience, I was skeptical of the quality of this film very early on, and Chris was not defending the movie, but defending the coherence of the storytelling up until 35, 40 minutes in. I'd say that's about right. Yeah. Did that just unravel for you, or did the actual plot points making sense coherently not matter? Yeah, I would say it's a combination of oversleaze, which just takes you out of the movie. Mm -hmm. Especially when a movie like this, there was so much more room for plot to grow, and it just never did. So the sleaze took me out of it. The plot, as it should, stopped making sense. So that kind of took me out, too. Coincidentally, around the time Wiley and Coyote, or uh, Evil and Knievel showed up. Yeah. Don't get your listeners confused which movie we're watching. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, about the time they showed up, everything just kind of went downhill. What worked for you? A lot of the cinematography. 
It was actually fairly well shot for a lot of it. The basic outline of the plot worked. Mm-hmm. Do I have to keep going or can that be enough? I think that's about it. I'm going to agree with both of those, but I'm going to throw on top of those. Julie Strain, she's sort of a well-known name in like, you know, B cinema, but I think she did a good job as villainous. You know, I think I compared her to Catwoman early on because she was wearing like all black stockings and she had like weird like jewelry and stuff. And she was sort of like ninjaing down the hotel hallway. Like, I guess I bought her as a villainess and I've complained before off mic tonight. I have complained before about how sometimes the characters are, are poorly delineated. And I felt like she, she was her own personality, which I liked. I, I think that's the strong point aside from the cinematography because the music was extra weak this time. Most of it sounded sort of like that that steel drum piece from Commando, but done with Casios instead of actual steel drums. And then you throw in some text message noises to add to it. Yeah, there, there were there were several times where Chris was like thrown by like chime sounds that like he thought were his phone. Yeah, I checked my phone several times. Nobody messaged me because. I don't have any friends. <laughs> because it's Friday night and we're watching Fit to Kill. Uh, <laughs> had to think about the title. I was really excited about the airplane show in the last movie. But the RC helicopters in this, like, they just kept showing you. We're doing RC helicopters and there are weapons. And then there was, like, an RC helicopter dogfight. And somehow the kitschy sort of cheeky elements never – they never took hold. So – the things that I thought I would like just didn't quite work. And then, you know, what was left just wasn't enough. I am a big fan of the 58008. What, what do you think? Is this an up or a down? I think it's got to be a down. Yeah. And it, it, it's a disappointing down because there was a lot of potential there. A lot of these movies are fairly straightforward up or down mm-hmm. uh, because it is what it is. This one was less than what it should have been. I think I have to go down because for me, like it's almost like we just hit a new dead center on the bell curve. I'd say that's, that's pretty accurate. Do you want to go down your rankings? I'm going to let you go first. (laughs) All right. Um, no, 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 no referring to notes. Jesus. I need to see what the names of these movies are. (laughs) You can, you can check the names of the movies, but no referring to notes. That's what I'm doing. So for me, it's still very easily Savage Beach and then Hard Ticket to Hawaii. All hail Cancer Snake. <laughs> um, Took him a while, but he really came around to that Cancer Snake. I love Cancer Snake now. I mean, <laughs> if anybody wants to uh, uh, follow me on Twitter, I'm at Cancer Snake. That's nope, not nope, true. Not, but no. I wish I was. After that. See, this is where it's fun for me because if you misremember your rankings, it's all going to shuffle around. It all goes to hell. Oh, man. It is all to hell. Just for my personal benefit, at the very bottom, we've got uh, Malibu Express. <laughs> The unstated loser is always Malibu Express. Guns is definitely second to last still. Okay. You're going to make this really hard for me to rank because I'm going to have to like parse out what's what. I still have to put it together in my head because I've got some combination of Picasso, Trigger, Hard Hunted, and Do or Die left with Fit to Kill not even thrown in yet. So I need to go down the... I'm not ready for this, man. This is too much pressure. <laughs> this is the end of the Donna Spear line of movies, and I've got to come up with an entire line of, and some of them don't even include Donna. Mm-hmm. Jeez. This episode's going to be 48 minutes, 36 of which are us trying to rank the movies. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> I remember some of Picasso Trigger. That is a statement, not a yeah. ranking. We'll go Savage Beach, Hard Ticket to Hawaii, Do or Die, Hard Hunted. Picasso Trigger, Fit to Kill, Guns, Malibu Express. Damn, with authority. 
Yeah, that didn't take forever. All hail Cancer Snake. <laughs> <laughs> cancer Snake definitely bumps you up a couple points. That's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> Good luck. All right. So number one, Savage Beach. Number two, Hard Ticket to Hawaii. All hail Cancer Snake. Number three, Do or Die. Number four, Guns. Ew. Number five, Hard Hunted. Number six, Fit to Kill. Number seven, Malibu Express. That's funny because you had described uh, Fit to Kill just a, a moment ago as being the dead center of the bell curve, and then you put it second to last. We still haven't seen two-thirds of the bell curve. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see that you have high expectations for the series. I'm expecting to slot a lot of things in between number six and seven. <laughs> At least we can agree that nothing is going to uh, beat Malibu. The only thing that can make something worse than Malibu Express is if they make a clip movie out of Malibu Express. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I feel like this is a short episode. Well, there wasn't a whole lot to this movie besides disappointment and sadness. (laughs) Donna isn't coming back. Why isn't Donna coming back? (laughs) I don't know. The worst Donna movie was Guns. Sure. And I feel like She's been perfectly fine. I mean, the material has been kind of crap. I think intentionally so, but that's not Donna's fault. But when they open the movie, they're sitting at the hot tub. It's dipped to black from the hot tub and it's dipping up from the hot tub. Next movie, where's Donna? Hawaii. (laughs) My name is Bruce and I'm looking for Donna. Why can't I find Donna? I don't even know if Bruce is in the next movie. No, but I'm saying like, let's speculate. Okay. Where, Where did she go? Okay. So in Malibu Express, at the end, Cody got that message that self-destructed that said that the one lady was going to go to Hawaii because in Hawaii she'd be safe from U.S. law enforcement. Right. Sybil Danning, right? Yeah, Sybil. So I think Donna and Sybil are going to a ranch upstate. Like like my puppy? Yeah, like your puppy. They're going to be (laughs) running around in fields and meadows and there will be sunflowers and yeah. Okay, new hypothetical. What if Donna and Sybil Danning are the same person? Oh. What if it was one of those shadow recastings that they never told us about? And that's why she got a witness protection partner, because she was in witness protection. Was Donna in hard ticket? (laughs) This is the sound of furious IMDb. (laughs) From two ends of two microphones. Yes, she was in hard ticket. Wasn't Sybil Danning in Malibu? Yes. Yes, she was. But was Donna in Malibu? She was not. What was the name of Sybil's character? Countess Luciana. Well, we know that's a fake name. Her real name was Donna. Donna Hamilton. (laughs) Countess Luciana went to Hawaii, became Donna Hamilton. She's tired now of all of this. So she went back to Romania as a countess. (laughs) And also, maybe it's Cody finally got done with everything and he is he wrote Donna and said, hey, I'm going to come to Hawaii. And Donna's like, yeah, screw this. I have shown my bare chest to many men since I saw Cody, and all of them were better than your stupid facial hair, so I'm going back to Romania. She was like, the one point of shame in my entire topless career is that you saw my tits. <laughs> Cody Abilene, you are the worst man that has ever been a man in any place or state that I have ever been in, and as such... I will not be a woman in the same state as you are a man in again. That reminds me of when I went off on Cody. Did that feel good? Like it looked like you. I felt kind of good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we got Donna figured out. All right. So what's up with Nicole? Nicole. She came out of nowhere 
to yeah. begin with. Because we had witness protection lady who was blonde, and then we got Nicole who's brunette. And I believe in the power of hair dye, mm-hmm. but I think those are distinctly two different characters. I, yeah, I believe so. They had different names. It'd be weird if they just started referring to her as like her. Or Kane or something. <laughs> so I'm going to say that Nicole is going to Romania as well because I don't think that they're separable. Mm. See, I have an alternate theory. My theory is that Jade, who at the end of this movie said she was not going to stay with Kane because he's now penniless. Jade was a double agent for Lethal. Maybe Nicole was a double agent for Kane. So they're just going to swap sees. Jade's going to come back and she's going to be a partner in, in the whole verse in the next movie. But Nicole's going to just disappear with, with Kane off to Never Neverland, wherever they go. You know, my first thought there was, yeah, but Nicole shot a dude in the head. But if you think how bad these people are at usually shooting things, mm-hmm. she was probably trying to miss and missed. Also, that was a that was one of the Red Star people. Oh, that's true. So it's still fine. At she that shot point, him. Kane was pissed at the Red Star people. Yeah. By re- Red Star people makes me feel racist. I, I I meant the the Chinese gang members that Kane was making fun of for wearing Chinese intelligence symbols on their clothing, which happens to be a Red Star. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was more a, a discussion of symbolism and not racism. Yeah, correct. I am not a horrible, horrible person that hates the Chinese peoples. They are lovely. You're a horrible person for other reasons. Yes, I earned it for other reasons. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. I don't want to pretend like I'm like virtuous because that ain't true. No, absolutely not. We just got done watching seven or eight movies in the Hawaii verse, we are definitely not good people. Isn't it starting to feel like the Twilight Zone though? Like we're watching the same movie over and over and over again? It's a little bit like that, yeah. I would say the ones that stand out are either Savage Beach and Hard Ticket because they're just awesome for their own reasons or really bad. Did I put guns ahead of do or die? Oh, you put guns in like third place. Okay, okay. I meant do or die and then I meant guns. Reverse those two because do or die was the one that I liked better. Guns was just awful movie to me no i know you reacted to it like i like slapped your baby and i think i did but i the only reason i thought of that is because you're like ones that stick out for some reason and then i remembered i couldn't remember guns <laughs> sorry go ahead i'm very disappointed in the cane verse because i feel like there was much more that we could do there and yeah. we just didn't and i'm disappointed in this movie because nobody died that mattered yeah so it's a twilight zone but without a twist or an ending yes there is it's the Twilight Zone without an ending that makes you go, huh. So it's just purgatory. It's like the Twilight. There's no kill zone. There's no death zone. There's no names floating into the kill or death zone. But instead of a gremlin on the wing of the plane, William Shatner just keeps looking out and seeing Donna Spear topless. And he's like, I'm not concerned, but I am confused. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah. Or uh, they landed the uh, the U.S. Ah, fuck that one. Fuck that reference. Open a can of beer, please. Which is like, yay, water boobs. But at the same time, you're like, uh, now people are just listening to water boobs. Right. Which, I mean, I think is a more visual experience than auditory. Or it's like the uh, U.S. uh, Space Force landing on a uh, distant planet. But instead of a very angry, massive peasant, it's topless Donna Hamilton. (laughs) So... Planet of the Apes, but with topless women instead of monkeys. Yeah. yeah. It's like space balls, except for no space and lots of balls. But instead of balls, they're boobs. Boobs. Space boobs. 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 (laughs) Right, you said no space. (laughs) Well, on that note, I think it's a good time to wrap up. (laughs) 
top goes down, top goes up. Never miscommunication. Uh, Chris, thanks for uh, joining me. Is there anything that you would like to plug while you were here? Actually, yeah. I uh, just started a uh, news and analysis website, which is the least Hawaii-verse thing you can possibly imagine. Uh, it's understanding-tomorrow.com. And uh, what kind of things do you news and analyze? Oh, all sorts of history and politics. So if you want to get mad at me, go right there. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. We love you. The music for this episode was provided by Vandalay. You can find them on Facebooks at Vandalay Music or VandalayMusic.com. That's V-A-N-D-A-L-A-Y Music.com. And if you want to hear assholes talk about different movies than the ones we talked about here, then go and check out Super Movie Ball. Find them at supermovieball.com and iTunes. Still haven't had enough? Then check out Peter's Movie Nights on SoundCloud. That's Peter's, M-O-V-Y-N-I-T-E-S. So, John, uh, we just listened to the side slop episode of fuck you we didn't listen to shit <laughs> you are a piece of garbage you lie to my listeners i invite you into my podcast and you fucking lie i listened to the pre-edit i got it live that's true we did just record a podcast <laughs> which is almost as good as listening to a podcast we're past the point where we're going to comment on anything of substance so <laughs> Well, what, okay. So hypothetically, what if we tried something of substance one day, not now we have a lot of work left to do. Right. So if you were to record about a movie of substance, of substance, what would your like pie in the sky, blue sky, what, what's your movie or series of choice? Ooh. So like just abandoning the Hawaii verse straight up and going into a, a, a brand well, new series. No, we, we have to finish digging the hole we started. So after just like, so the ladder, what ladder do we use to get ourselves out? Of yeah, exactly. Hole? Now we're, now we are in the, like we are, we are barely above the mantle of the earth. We have dug deep. How do we get out? I've told you repeatedly and you're going to get the same answer again. It's land before time. Why, why are you obsessed with the land before time? Because it's awful. Have you seen any of them? I think in like second grade. Did you hate it then? Yes. That either means it's genius or that it's so bad that it, no human could possibly palate it. <laughs> yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, that is not a good ladder series, is it? No, no. You're just digging sideways. <laughs> or down. Well, I, I don't think you could go down with Land Before Time. I mean. You haven't seen the topless scenes in Land Before Time? <laughs> <laughs> top goes up, top goes down. <laughs> Can't explain that. Never a miscommunication.